promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And but see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised to stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. About 15 years ago or so, if it were summer, you would have found me tending bar at Wyzetta Country Club. Now, this is a very exclusive club in the Twin Cities. You had to roughly have a net worth of a minimum of $2 million to be a member. And so I would walk into uh, the the main bar area to do my job, and there would be athletes, and there would be lawyers and CEOs, very important people with very expensive cars. And And then there would also be politicians, which always threw me off, because they're politicians worth $2 million. And I'm wondering, is my tax money going to the wrong things? Um, We had former governors and all those things. But it never failed. Every single night, something would go wrong for somebody in the room. A a drink would be too slow. It wouldn't be just right. Uh, The hockey players couldn't get their Bud Light on time. Whatever it might be. And someone would pull out the don't you know who I am card. Right? And I would look at them and I'd look at the room and I'd want to go, you're in a room full of don't-you-know-who-I-am people. Like, you think you're more special than, like, Emmett Anderson, who was former governor of Minnesota, who's sitting at the bar right here in front. Like, what? And so you look around the room, and they have this reputation, they have these credentials, these things that they're wanting to hold up to you. And, and I started to think about that as I was preparing for this week, about how often that's us, right? We've got a resume that we like to hold on to. Credentials, reputation, those sorts of things. And then you look at Galatians, and Galatians is a place where we always think it's where we go to talk about circumcision. We're not going to be talking about that this morning. It's actually where we go for the don't you know who I am's to die. That is what this text is for. Because Paul was a man who had the CV. He had the resume. He had it all. He could have told anybody anything about himself, and they would have understood. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And this is one of the many places where 
Paul takes the time to talk about who he is to try and make people think, okay, you need to listen to me, but not really. He, he wants to be able to say, now this is who I was, but it doesn't matter anymore. And so beginning in, in the second half of the fourth verse there in chapter three of Philippians, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, he says. He's laying out his resume. He's saying, I've done everything right according to the law. My parents have done everything right. They made sure I got circumcised on the eighth day. That's like saying, yeah, my parents did everything right. They got me here to be baptized within a week of my birth. And then he goes on to say, and oh, by the way, I'm a, I, I am a member of Israel. I, I have a, a tribe that I'm registered with, the tribe of Benjamin. And even more than that, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, meaning I can trace my daddy's daddy, 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 all the way back to the dudes who caused problems for Moses in Egypt before they even left. He's saying, I can look all the way back there. I am that Jewish. And as to the law, he says, a Pharisee, meaning he knew his Bible. He read it every day. He probably had a majority of it memorized. He was very dedicated to what he, what, what he believed, so much so that he tried to track down anybody who disagreed with him. Persecutor of the church. And then finally, he says, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. I believe him. He's not lying. He's saying, I've done everything. I got it all right. Everything when it came to the law. I've done it all. And then in other places like Acts 22, he wants to make sure that you understand that not only does he have the lineage, not only does he have the heritage, not only does he come from the right family tree, he also has the education because he talks about how he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He's saying, I, I, I have the PhD. I spent my time in college and grad school and fellowships and internships and all these things. So I'm important, or at least I was, because he wants to make sure that they understand he's well-educated, he's powerful, he's placed. He, he could have he walked into the local municipal bar. We have those in Minnesota, by the way. There's bars and, and liquor stores owned by the city. Good tax revenue. He wouldn't need to pull out his don't you know who I am card because everybody would know who he was. And then something happened, right, in Acts 9? Somebody shows up, he's on his way to Damascus with some letters to be able to imprison some more Christians. Somebody shows up, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Knocks him off his, who was that, by the way? Anybody, Sunday school answer? Jesus, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's always the Sunday school answer. If you don't know the answer, you just say Jesus and you'll be right 50% of the time. But something happens with this Jesus. This Jesus comes to him, knocks him off the horse, he gets blinded. And all of that stuff goes away. Saul dies, Paul is raised up, death and resurrection right there. And so we get to our text in Galatians, and he's sitting here saying, none of that matters anymore. He says that he did not go to Jerusalem. He did not, he did not want to go and learn at the feet of Peter or of James or John or anything. He actually says he, he went out into the desert Got away from all of that because he's been there, done that. 
He's done all of the, the, the creds. He, he's done all of the letters of recommendation. He doesn't need to go that direction anymore because there's this guy named Jesus that has invaded his life that has changed something for him. He doesn't need the lineage. He doesn't need the, the letters of, uh, of recommendation from Peter. He doesn't need the line of, of apostolic succession. There is something in this Jesus that has done something to him. And that's actually his issue that he gets with the, the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 1, right? He says, some of you, there's divisions. And some of you say, I'm of Paul. I'm of Paulus. I'm of Cephas. Oh, and yeah, there's this other guy named Christ. Some of us like him too. And he says, you're all wrong. Was Paul crucified for you? Is Apollos the source of your salvation? Or is it this, this Jesus guy who has invaded your life? And that's one of the problems for us, church, isn't it? Some of you may have Catholic friends. They ever said, the Pope says, right? And we laugh at them, oh. <laughs> but then how many of us say, well, my pastor says? Or I get in trouble because I find myself often saying, or Luther says? Or, or Paulson says, Bertie says, get ourselves in trouble because we start to think that that lineage somehow is what helps us. And then we end up losing Christ. We end up losing the cross and all this desire for, for don't you know who I am? And this actual loss of this don't you know who I am actually emboldens Paul, which I don't think he ever needed to be emboldened. He was rather bold. But emboldens him in the face of Peter. You know, Peter, the walk with Jesus, Peter, I'm going to die with you, Jesus, Peter. Because he gets in Peter's face. Because Peter came up to Antioch, and they're having parties, and they're having a good time with the Gentiles and the Greeks, right? They're, they're eating bacon-wrapped shrimp on, on Fridays, um, and, and, and all those things. They're having fun. And then some dudes from James show up, and uh, suddenly Peter goes, oh yeah, I don't need to be part of this crowd over here. I'm going to go back with my people. I'm going to be with the real Christians over here. And Paul has to go, dude, dude, we have this Jesus, and you're holding on to all this former stuff, and you're expecting all of these folks to live like you because they have to do this in order to have Jesus? No, that's not how this works. Because otherwise things get in the way, and then you nullify Jesus, as the last verse of our reading says. And Paul goes on to say, and, and, and the text kind of is deceiving here because they, they assume that actually his quotation against, against Peter actually continues at verse 15 of chapter 2 in Galatians, where he says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Kiss, kiss. Not those sinners over there, Peter. Saying, yeah, we're Jews. We have all these things. I have the creds. I have my baptismal certificate, my circumcision certificate, whatever. And yet we know something. We know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have this whole lineage, this whole thing that we can hold on to, and yet we know that that doesn't matter. So why are we holding on to it? Because we're declared righteous. We're made right, not by having the don't you know who I am card. We, we get up to the pearly gates and, and we hand them the card, and Jesus is going to go, what's that for? Don't you need that? But instead, it's through faith 
in Christ. The text here is, is a little difficult because it can also mean not only the faith, having faith in Christ, it can also mean the faith of Christ or the faithfulness of Christ, the fact that Christ was faithful for us, to trust in that, to hold that close, to hold him trustworthy. As you see, church, no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we try, no matter how many creds we have, how much reputation we have, how awesome we think we are, even though, guys, if you're married, you're not as awesome as you think you are, just ask your wife. Um, the law comes to us, and it kills us every single time. Paul tells us this here. For through the law, I died to the law, in verse 19 of chapter 2 of Galatians. No matter my rep, no matter how awesome my works are, no matter, no matter how hard I try, the law comes and kills me every single time because I can't meet it. It's a moving standard, and it can be anything. Most of us have heard the miss the mark thing where you have like the target and the arrow and you don't hit the bullseye or whatever. I don't like that one. The, the one I tend to use, uh, both of my kids are swimmers and they have a former coach, Coach Chris, who he, he would tell us about how he would have a broken stopwatch practice every year at the beginning of the season where he'd give the, the, the athletes the worst workout ever, one that they could not make, like repeat hundreds on 105. That would be bad, right? Yes, you would die. Yes, you'd drown. We'd have to jump in CPR. Yes. And they wouldn't make the interval. They, you'd swim as fast as you can, and you just could not make the interval to have any sort of rest, anything. And he'd pretend to be mad, and he'd slam that broken stopwatch on the pool deck, and it'd shatter, and everyone would freak out, and all these things. And he did it for a reason. He wanted to say, look, you're going to have some bad workouts. You're not going to make the mark. It's okay. This is going to be the worst thing that's going to happen to you all season. I'm going to scream and shout and break a stopwatch. And then we'll move on. Kind of break the ice a little bit, especially with some of the newer athletes. But the problem for us is that we often don't have a Coach Chris there, right? We usually just get the law. We get, you, may, you better make the interval. Make the interval or else. And you better do it. The other, the other issue that we handle with the law is we either try to make the mark or we try to negotiate. Anybody try to do that? Like uh, diet, you know? I'm going to have a salad so I can have a cookie later or five cookies later. Well, in our house, we have, we have a rule. No cats on the counter. No cats on the table. The only one who enforces it is my wife. I will walk out in the morning and my son's there eating cereals and cereal, getting ready for, for school and both cats are sitting on the counter watching him. I just get my coffee and go back in my room. But there was one day we we had bought some 4-H fruit from my from my mother-in-law, and the box was sitting on the on the counter, and the cat was laying on the box. And my wife comes rocking around the corner and says, "Get off the counter!" And usually the cat will jump down if they hear her say, "Get off the counter." And he just sort of looked at her, "What?" And Josiah, I think it was you, Josiah, and I kind of went, "Well, he's technically not on the counter. He's on the box that's on the counter." And the box is really close to the, to the, to the uh, bar stools, so he may not have even touched the counter. So that counts. But I wonder, how many times do we do that? With sin, with the law, with all those things. Well, if I just, it's really not that bad if I just go around this. How close can I get to the line? Like, like two kids in the backseat on a road trip? Where you hear one going, stop touching me. And I'm not touching you. Stop touching me. And they're as close to each other as they possibly can. And you're, you know... That's the law coming to us to cause us issues because if we're holding on to this, don't you know who I am stuff, these creds, these reps, 
all these things. It makes for a really impressive obituary, but that's about it when it comes to Jesus. Because instead, all of that dies in Christ. And that is when the gospel becomes the sweetest thing above everything else. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, yet Christ lives within me. Is that not good news? Is that not beautiful? Death to the credentials, death to all the things that we think, that the standards that we think we need to meet. Then he goes on to say, and the life I now live, who I am in the flesh, who, this whole thing that I have here that I can touch and all these things. It's something else now in Jesus. It's not me. It's this this something new in Christ and I am in him. If you want to know our family, all you have to do is watch Incredibles 2. Anybody? Okay. You will know our family perfectly. I am Mr. Incredible, although I'm not that strong. I was a stay-at-home dad for 10 years, pretending to be a musician, and my wife is a nurse, so she's the superhero. I'm the one trying to figure out how to do math. And and our son is is Dash. He's yeah, he's awesome. And then our daughter is is Violet. Um, you know, in our house, it's uh, I want you home at 10:30, and she says 11, and I said 10ish, heading towards 9:30ish, and uh, that that's our house. That's how we, how we rock the world there. But, but if you haven't seen the movies, they're superheroes, and supers are, are supposed to be hidden. They're not supposed to be out in the open. And, and Incredibles, the movie, ends, ends with them having to go off and fight the Underminer, and then the Incredibles 2 opens with that, and Violet's sort of kind of boyfriend. They're, they're talking. Yes, they're talking. They, they're Snapchatting together. Okay. Um, he sees them getting into their costumes, putting on their masks and all these things. And so his, his memory has to be erased of that. And, and so Mr. Incredible tells his dude with the service that they need to do that and everything. And, and the problem is, is that they also erase Violet from his memory, which doesn't go well for, for daddy and daughter. Daddy and, daddy and daughter spend the rest, like, overwhelming portion of the movie trying to fix that. Well, see, the thing is with Christ, this whole being crucified with him, this whole, and the life I now live is not mine, it's in Christ, is that Christ comes along and he erases the past, right, which we love, right? Sins nailed to the cross. We love that. All the things that we hate about ourselves, they're gone, covered in the blood of Jesus. But the other problem is that then he also takes all our accomplishments, too, and nails them to the cross. He takes our, don't you know who I am, card, and nails it to the cross. Because it's not ours he doesn't care about that. And he's not going to let you have that anyways. Instead, it gets erased too because we live by faith. We live by by trust in the Son of God who loved me. Who loved me. That's one of the best words right there. Live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That pronoun there, for me, for you. It's the most important words that you could ever have out of the scriptures. What it means is that you're listening to the sermon right now. Maybe some of you are going, oh, this sermon is really awesome, and I know somebody who needs to hear it. Right? Or this sermon's really for the person on the other side of the room from me, because boy, I knew what they did on Friday night. They need Jesus. No. It's for you. It's for me. It's an application of Christ 
to me. Christ not being just some distant idea or some nice story. It becomes Christ for me. Given to me himself. Taking away all my accomplishments. Wiping them out. Taking away all my sins too. All my lack of faith. All my unbelief. And as it stands right now then. We only rest in the reality, the truth, that 2,000 years ago on a hill outside Jerusalem, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sin. And that's why the Ascension matters, because right now we celebrate today, Ascension Sunday. We're, we're, We're acknowledging the fact that right now he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. All the work is done. It's over. And he took the cross anyways. He knew everything about you and he rose for you because he needed to. He knew all about you. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father saying, yeah, I got that one too. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.